Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor. Now today, March 8th, is International Women's Day, a global event for celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women that also serves as a call to action for accelerating women's equality. To mark the occasion, EHS on Tap is sitting down with four women who have found great success in the EHS field, each of whom has also been an advisory committee member for the American Society of Safety Professionals Women in Safety Excellence, or WISE, Common Interest Group. So let's meet our guests and dive into the conversation. Uh, first up, Adele Abrams is the president of the law office of Adele L. Abrams, PC, and professional development chair of the WISE Advisory Committee. Uh, welcome, Adele. Thank you. Next, we are joined by Lindsay Bell, who is a regional health and safety manager at Solvay Novacare and a past membership chair for WISE. Welcome to you, Lindsay. Good morning. Also with us today is Abby Ferry, a Senior Risk Control Consultant for Gallagher and the Nominations and Elections Chair of the WISE Advisory Committee. Uh, Abby, welcome. Thank you. And next joining us on the show today is Camille Oaks, the President and CEO of Better Safety and Assistant Administrator for WISE. Uh, Welcome, Camille. Thanks, Justin. Happy to be here. Uh, Yes, thank you all, uh, and thanks to all four of you for being here today. Uh, To start things off, could each of you talk a little bit about your individual experiences as women in environment, health, and safety careers, uh, including the challenges and opportunities that you're seeing in the profession? Do you want to call on somebody? (laughs) Well, uh, I'll jump in here, uh, Adele. (laughs) Uh, Going in alphabetical order... uh, Adele Abrams here. Uh, My path in this was uh, a very different one, I think, from a lot of uh, safety professionals in that I came at it through the writing and uh, actually put my journalism degree to use uh, initially. And uh, as a a writer with associations in the D.C. area, this is in the early 80s I'm talking about now, um, I was told, okay, well, you write, so you can write our OSHA comments. And like many before me, I said, what's an OSHA? Um, And really did a crash course. So I remember uh, in those early days, the very first one I worked on was the indoor air quality uh, rule, which they never did end up uh, adopting all these years later. Um, And the HASCOM standard, I got into the construction field in the mid 80s. And so uh, commenting and working on not only HASCOM, but work zone safety. Uh, uh, I was in the highway and heavy construction sector. Uh, But, you know, one of the things was that I was uh, always uh, kind of a standout in the sense that I would be the only woman at most of the meetings I went to. And then I made an even further break and went in the late 80s and went into the mining industry. And I am a certified mine safety professional. Uh, so I started uh, doing a deep dive on all things MSHA, which is the Mine Safety and Health Administration, uh, eventually uh, becoming certified to do their noise and dust sampling and uh, becoming an MSHA-approved trainer. Um, but then uh, I got the bright idea to go to law school at night. And so I did that while I was doing safety uh, projects during the day. And uh, 25 years ago now, uh, I went into practice uh, in the occupational safety and health, mind safety, and environmental uh, safety and health field. Uh, so 
uh, I still do a lot of uh, training. I do consulting. I do program development in the safety area. But I also defend employers in OSHA and MSHA cases. And now more recently, I've been getting involved representing employees in some whistleblower cases. Uh, you know, a little bit of a switch there and whistleblower in the safety and health uh, arena uh, under Section 11C of the OSH Act and, and under Section 105C of the Mine Act. So uh, as the Grateful Dead would say, what a long, strange trip it's been. And uh, I can say that because before all of that, I was a, a rock and roll disc jockey. <laughs> so this is actually my third career, if you want to be technical about it. What? That's awesome. That is awesome. That's true. <laughs> I want to pick up on something Adele mentioned about being um, the only woman. <laughs> like I, I started in safety about 18 years ago and even back then, um, I was the only woman in some of the spaces that I was in, especially with construction, because I started out in construction. So um, back then, I didn't really think much of it. I just, I kind of was always like pretty sporty, you know, as a kid and sometimes hung out with the boys more than girls. Um, so it was just kind of my my nature. But um, as my career went on, I thought, well, there should be more women in this field because it's actually awesome. And I feel that women are are pretty well suited to just the, the profession of safety in general. Um, and when people would ask me that question, you know, what's it like to be a woman in safety? I'm like, well, I don't really know anything different. You know, what's it like to be a man in safety? Um, you know, so it, everyone has their own perspective. But I know what people are getting at, you know, because a lot of the careers that we serve are very male populated careers, you know, not so much male dominated, but male populated, right? There's a lot of guys that do that work. So, um, yeah, I, I've always felt that I was well suited for the work. Um, I was able to establish a rapport with the workers and, and for some reason, you know, even at a young age, like they would listen to me and I listened to them and came up with things that I could help them out with to kind of endear myself to the workers. And for me, that's just always been the key. So I don't know if maybe that's like a, a woman or women specific trait to like try to establish that rapport with people right off the bat. But if it is, um, it's definitely something that has served me well in the profession. No, this is Lindsay speaking. I think what's interesting is my first two jobs actually were, there were a lot of women that I worked with. So my first role, I did a co-op and this company had a relatively robust safety team. And so I was in the training group, specifically the EHS training group, and it was all women and there were five of us. Um, and so it was interesting. So of course it was training. So considered, unfortunately, a soft skill, I'm doing air quotes, um, but it was all women and we did all the teaching, you know, and then my next job was in manufacturing, but it was a large plant, you know, over 900 people. And we had two safety groups and there were four women out of, you know, the six safety professionals in the group, four of us were women and we would, uh, it was in Utah. And so we would go to Utah safety council and they had a women in safety group and we would go every month. So my first two roles actually had a lot of women and that's kind of how I got introduced really to ASSP and even through National Safety Council and through mentorship and everything like that. So I think I was just really fortunate to come into it that way and didn't really have the experience of being the only woman until 
after that. So I was kind of a few years into my career and fortunately had some really strong mentors like Abby um, at that point in my life. So it was nice. I had people to talk to about it when I did start to face those challenges. I had, this is Camille, I had, um, when I started, I was sort of an internal consultant. So it was, uh, we would basically, I'd fly to an airport, do an inspection, give them their feedback and leave. And I experienced more kind of pushback with my age, which I'm sure is all wrapped up in age, gender, color, all of that together. Um, but I really had, you know, when you think of the negative experience of a woman in a male populated industry, that happened when I became on site um, in a distribution center. And it was, uh, I mean, nonstop. Um, there was particularly when I started having kids, when I got engaged, when I, when I became a mother, it was, uh, you know, harassment and negative comments. And even the, even the, the things that would be considered a compliment, it was comments on my appearance. It was comments on basically every, every decision that I, that I made. Um, I remember specifically where, where I kind of, gained a lot of confidence was we had an incident where a truck um, in our parking lot uh, turned and ran over a ramp and spilled its diesel all over our dock area outside. And the hazmat crew came and the first thing they did is turn to the older man, the oldest man in the area with the collared shirt, um, with keys on his belt, um, bald clearly clearly looks like the guy in charge and he turned to me they started asking him questions and he turned to me silently and then pointed and said i don't know ask her and he looked terrified and i realized oh i you know 25 year old me at this point no one around here would think i'm in charge but very clearly i am and that kind of directed you know i knew the answers and i knew what to do and but the assumption was that he would so i was thankful for him to like even be able to admit yeah i don't know ask her um and it's kind of been that way since the it, it's still where people turn and find the oldest man in the group and assume that he's in charge and then they point to point at me the mild look of shock that's a really good point yeah, I, I think uh, one thing I wanted to follow up on is I think there's this distinction, and I've experienced this as well, between uh, the woman safety professional who comes in as a consultant, as a subject matter expert, and the level of kind of respect uh, and, and lack of harassment. Uh, you know, when, when I'm hired as an attorney, uh, you know, usually my client is in the jackpot at that point. And they're desperate for, to hear what I have to say and follow the advice I have. And, you know, Abby, as someone who's been a consultant and also as an insurance advisor, um, you know, we are looked to as kind of the pros from Dover, you know, to, to, to pull a phrase, um, you know, and so we're not really subject to that day to day harassment. They don't know my background. They don't know if I'm a grandmother, you know, they don't know, uh, you know, what my my history has been. Uh, in terms of personal life, whereas if you are an embedded safety professional, 
Um, I think there is a much mm-hmm. higher degree, especially in the, the non-conventional industries uh, of harassment. I know, I mean, I'm, I'm the past uh, president of the national group Women in Mining, and my experience as a woman in mining uh, coming in either as an association professional or later as an attorney or a trainer is much different than the women who are working, you know, alongside the men as laborers or equipment operators and, and what I hear is feedback from them in terms of what is still a, a very harsh work environment. You know, you, you think of that movie, uh, North Country, uh, which was about uh, the taconite mining industry yeah. and the first class action on the basis of sexual uh, harassment. And things have not changed a whole lot. Uh, I've been up in the Iron Range. Things have not changed uh, very much. And so there is a lot of progress that still needs to be done. Uh, But I think there has been a lot of of movement in accepting women as the subject matter experts. You know, I I do expert testimony in the mine safety area, and you would not have seen that 20 years ago. Um, But I think the problem is still for the women who are part of the workforce and perhaps are managing safety Uh, and having to tell the men what to do, how to do it, and call them out when they are not uh, following the appropriate protocols. Absolutely. Like all of you have mentioned, um, you know, progress has been made, but there need, there's a lot more progress to be done, especially um, in terms of increasing the presence of women in traditionally male populated, uh, as, as you put it, industries where uh, but industries where safety also takes center stage, things like construction, mining, energy. Uh, but um, increasing the presence, it may also create unique risks to women in these particular op- occupations. Um, what do you all see as the biggest challenges in this area? I just wanted to piggyback on something Adele and Camille both mentioned real quick about um, like the harassment and the comments and just kind of food for mm. thought that um, I... I know for myself personally, when I first started in the career, there were a lot of comments and things that I just took in stride as thinking that was just part of the job. And so I think something that has changed is that um, there's more apparent pathways for people to be able to report things like that. And women um, may feel more empowered in some settings also to bring those things up as in, you know, we're not going to put up with that type of thing in our workplace. And the other cool thing is um, men in our industry and in the the industries we serve, like Camille mentioned, being more of an ally, even just it's powerful for that older experienced male who's not in charge to say, no, she's in charge. And that's that's powerful um, to have people speak up like that. So I just wanted to mention that before we got too far. Yeah, exactly. I've seen a lot more of that, like men sticking up for me more, especially like when I, if I get talked over in meetings or if we're standing somewhere in the example, you know, like Camille said, where, you know, I'm the one in charge and they clearly, they will ignore me and speak to like everyone else that's standing there. Uh, Someone will just blatantly cut them off and say, you know, well, Lindsay's the one in charge or they'll introduce themselves to everyone but me and someone else will interject and introduce me to them. Um, I think sometimes with the representation, there's this focus on getting more women into these groups. There's, oh, women are underrepresented and there's not enough focus on, okay, so what happens when we put the women there? You know, are we ready to receive them? Um, 
so you know we have to think about that too because sometimes you are you know kind of throwing people to the wolves and you got to think about that when you want to talk about getting underrepresented groups into you know different organizations and different industries yeah i'm serving on a uh, working group right now with the national safety council on diversity equity and inclusion and looking at uh, safety issues uh, that pertain to DEI, um, you know, to your point, are women in uh, non-traditional industries uh, at greater risk personally uh, from a safety perspective? And uh, I'm actually speaking on this later this month, uh, looking at the transportation uh, sector in particular, transportation construction. And the short answer is yes, uh, women. Uh, do get injured at higher rates. Very often they're in, say, flagger positions uh, that put them at a higher risk. PPE, and I, I want to let my colleagues here speak uh, to that, but ill-fitting PPE and lack of availability uh, of appropriate PPE, even if it's on the market, if the employer only buys XL and XXL safety harnesses, uh, you're going to have some issues there. Uh, so those are, are a number of the things but I, I wanted to make this point um, because this reflects off of, I think, what Lindsay was saying and, and Camille. Um, there, there is an effort being made to bring more women into these professions um, and, and these, work, these uh, job occupations. But diversity is one thing. It's like being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. And, uh, you know, I heard that phrase as part of of uh, our work in this area. And that really resonated with me because, you know, we can be invited to the party, but if we're wallflowers, you know, if we're not included in the key meetings and mentoring um, and not getting equivalent oversight and, and you know, uh, really, again, just, uh, you know, the, the onboarding process may be different for women than it is for men. And that lays a groundwork uh, uh, <laughs> that lays groundwork right from the outset that women maybe are going to have less protection when it comes to safety uh, because they're not going to have that full mentoring and immersion uh, and training that the, they're the equivalent uh, men would be who are similarly situated and hired. I think that we also have to talk about, um, you know, as we spend time as a culture now talking about women in the workplace and women in leadership. I think we can easily put women into one category. We allow men to be lots of different things, but then there's women. And um, I've used this example before. I think we've talked about it at WISE before, but I heard someone say, I'm not a pink nail polish kind of girl. You know, and, and the idea that in order to be a woman in safety, you must identify masculine. You can't wear nail polish, you can't wear lipstick, you can't be girly, also using air quotes, you can't be girly, you can't fit. There is only one way to be a woman in safety. So if we're talking about representation, I think we also have to talk about representation of different kinds of women because we're all not the same. So if we get in a boardroom, and we're making a decision, it can't be all the same kind of woman with the same personality that all fit one mold. 
Sheryl Sandberg wrote Lean In. I'm sure lots of people, everybody's heard of it, Lean In. And she talks about the, the, that we have to both push from the inside, but we also have to get inside in the first place. So it's, it's almost like we have to fit a mold to get there and then change it when you are there. But I don't want to, I don't want to say that to be a woman in safety, you must X. The representation of all women um, is, is really going to be the powerful tool is that we're all different and we all have to be different in that role. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. I'd like to talk a little bit about um, something that uh, Adele briefly touched upon. Um, In EHS, just as in other industries, uh, professional development and mentorship are key to growth and success. So uh, what do you perceive as the differences um, between mentoring programs where women serve as mentors to other women uh, versus those professional development relationships uh, that cross gender lines? What are the advantages of more women uh, mentoring other women in safety? So Abby was my first mentor through WISE, and then um, I've had like other male mentors through other groups. And I found that through mentorship with Abby, especially when we're talking about problems that are specific to being a woman in safety and things that I was seeking guidance on that were specific to gender and gender roles and how that was um, affecting the workplace and how I needed to approach problems or how like, especially with like communication and things, or, you know, being talked over in meetings, or, you know, issues of respect, she could kind of empathize a little bit more and talk about, you know, this is how I navigated it, or this is how I, you know, approached this problem, or communicated this effectively, or said this more assertively, or, you know, this, that, or the other, whereas my male mentors approached things differently. And they were like, oh, we'll just do this. And like, they just could not comprehend how I could not just do that or how me, you know, doing something in that way was not going to work for me because of some of the gender norms in the workplace. Now I couldn't just do that. That's not how that was going to work for me. So there's definitely some um, interesting things there with mentorship and the approach to problem solving and communication that um, have definitely come a long way. Um, And definitely um, they also would tend to they always want to solve the problem. And sometimes I really just want to have a conversation and I'm not really looking for a solution. And they were always very solutions oriented versus sometimes just sharing experiences. As uh, one of the older women, I guess, in safety, uh, I have served as a mentor through the WISE mentoring program uh, when it first started out. And I found that, you know, having come up kind of in the bad old days uh, where I did encounter a lot of very blatant uh, sexual harassment, even sexual assault at times uh, in the workplace, um, you know, I felt like in a a sense I could, you know, people could bounce stuff off of me and perhaps because of my employment law background as well, you know, sometimes people, uh, you know, mentoring and also just people I know uh, women in safety uh, might ask me, you know, for a little bit of uh, legal advice, kind of off the clock, off the cuff, in terms of, you know, is this something, does this rise to the level of being actionable? 
I guess is a good way to put it. Um, and so sometimes the mentoring that I would offer would be more really in the HR field rather than the technical safety field. Now, what I like to say is that I think it's a street that flows, runs both ways, really. And being, again, an older uh, safety professional, um, I've learned an awful lot from the younger uh, women, you know, some of whom are on this call here, uh, about how to use social media, um, you know, online training. And boy, am I glad that I really did get uh, some of that uh, immersion before COVID-19 uh, occurred, because, you know, I might have been in a position where I wouldn't have been able to continue my work remotely. And so, you know, I'm very grateful for what I've learned from the younger women that I've in turn worked with a bit over the years uh, in various areas. And the thing with mentoring, I, I wanted to say the, the woman to woman versus woman to man, aside from the whole sexual tension issue, and we'll leave that aside, but there are, you know, some people who still believe that men and women cannot work professionally together, much less be friends without there being some, some other thing happening. Um, and so, you know, that's always something to watch out for. Uh, when you are dealing with a man as a mentor. I like to think people have evolved a lot, but that's not always the case. But I think with a woman mentor, you're more free to, to say what you don't know. Whereas for women, especially again, and my experience is always in primarily construction and mining, so it is unconventional. Um, it's hard enough to get a foothold in there. And then if you start saying, well, I don't understand what this means, I don't understand what that means, there's a real risk of saying, well, honey, you're just not qualified to be in this industry if you don't know what a X is. Um, whereas if you go to another woman in that profession, you can be a lot more open, you know, about, uh, you know, whether it's scaffolding design you don't understand or roof bolting in an underground, uh, you know, salt mine. You, you know, you want to be able to ask questions and get that information without feeling that that by expressing ignorance on a particular point, you're putting your livelihood at risk. Yeah, I think to, to both Lindsay and Adele's point, there are things that we would not be able to just discuss with a, with a male mentor. And there are things, it's not necessarily that there might be some inappropriateness between a between a man and a woman in a mentor mentee relationship but the appearance of it and as women in the workplace we take steps non-stop to make it look to so that you know our reputation looks one way measured in our communication all of this and you know if i go to lunch with a male mentor twice a week people may get an idea whether or not it's true, but they may get an idea. So it's just a little bit more risky um, to my, you know, reputation to, to whether people take me seriously, all of that, it, the, the risk seems higher. Um, but that being said, my mentors have all been male and I have learned a tremendous, tremendous amount from them. Um, and have been incredibly helpful and have been ins to other parts of the organization that I that because they are at the at that higher level that I probably wouldn't have gotten um, given that there were no women mentors at that level within my organization. Um, so it's been I see the benefit of both and I see the you know the risks of, of one. 
And, you know, Camille, I've always ensured that my mentors were not within my organization for that reason. I've always made sure that they don't actually work with me. So yeah. one, I could be more candid and then two, so that I could have that kind of closer relationship and not have to worry about any yeah. of those issues. That's so. a great idea. Yeah. If I could ask uh, another question um, related to mentorship, um, is it is it time for women to be mentoring men uh, as well? Uh, because I mean, in my experience as uh, editor of the EHS Daily Advisor, I I feel like I talk to a great many women in the safety profession, and I'm like, they have so much to teach everyone that's coming into the profession. Uh, do you think that, uh, what about the other way where it's uh, an experienced uh, female safety professional uh, mentoring new men in the profession, especially so that maybe we could have, uh, you know, uh, get rid of this harassing atmosphere that you've experienced in your own careers? I like where your head's at. That's interesting. I It's funny. I've actually never really thought about that deliberately. And I'll admit, I've personally felt responsible for mentoring young women in the field um, that I felt that that would be most impactful. But at my current position, I do have the opportunity to mentor young men um, in our field. And maybe that's something I should be taking more seriously and kind of taking things next level to, it's kind of like you're um, creating those allies for our workplace um, through mentoring. So point taken, I'm going to do that. You know, I think it's coming. I think it's just a numbers game. So when we talk about just the population of professionals, safety professionals that exist, there's still currently less women than men. So I think as that starts to equalize, you'll see it start happening. And so I really think it's just numbers. It's coming. It will happen. I, I will say uh, I'm the head of my law firm and uh, the attorneys who work for me are safety professionals as well. We're kind of a boutique firm in that regard. But um, while many of the folks over the years, uh, last 20 years that I've hired already were established, I've hired some some people, men and women, right out of law school. So I've done some mentoring in that regard uh, because we have a unique area of practice with the OSHA and MSHA law, and they don't teach that in law school. Um, and, you know, I have been able to, to see the difference. Um, you know, the women seem to really suck up the information that I try to share like a sponge and, again, are, seem to be uh, more willing to ask questions about how do I do something or am I doing this correctly or would you take a look at this for me? Whereas the men that I have mentored, uh, the, young, the younger newly minted attorneys, were, I think, a little bit more self-confident, but also a, li a little bit more resistant to hearing what I had to share. You know, it was kind of, uh, you know, an, uh, I wouldn't want to, I hate to use the term mansplaining, but, you know, if I've been practicing for 20 years and you've been practicing for zero years and you're challenging me right out of the gate on my basic concepts, you know, that makes for an interesting approach to mentoring, I suppose. And in some cases, those worked out, and in some cases, they didn't. Uh, so for me, I'm just giving my own experience, it was harder for me to be a mentor to uh, a, a young man coming into my field than it was for me to mentor a young woman similarly situated, you know, right out of law school. 
Um, but it's hard to say, you know, well, lawyers aren't known for being uh, really nice people. I hate to say that. So, you know, it could be an attitudinal thing that wouldn't necessarily carry over on the, on the uh, safety and health side. I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, uh, uh, we're not taught a-hole 101 in safety school the way we are in law school. I'm, I'm just kidding now. <laughs> I mean, I would agree in my, in my, uh, my last position, I was a regional safety manager and there were on-site safety professionals and almost every one of them was, was male and they were very, very skeptical. I mean, they were just by nature of our position, um, I fell into that mentoring role for them uh, and they were very skeptical of any you know, any version of, of my method of here's the best way to communicate with an operations person. Here's what we want to focus on, what we don't want to focus on. Very, very skeptical of, of this kind of, as Lindsay said, with air quotes, soft skill kind of method. Um, particularly those that were joining safety coming out of the military. Very hard time adapting to, you know, this this kind of communications focused holistic safety, you know, that sort of thing. When it had previously been, you tell people what to do and they do it. So I I don't know if it would have been better received if it was a if it was a male telling them that, um, if it was a post military thing or what. But it certainly the women that I encountered were a lot more open to to that kind of mindset. So before we close today, I'd uh, like to talk a little bit about the um, ASSP uh, Common Interest Group in which you have all played a part, the, the Women in Safety Excellence or WISE group. Uh, what can you tell us about this group? Uh, what is its mission and how does it pursue it? And uh, how can EHS professionals in our audience uh, get involved? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it off again. Uh, you know, I was one of the original members of WISE, and I remember sitting in a very small conference room uh, at uh, one of the ASSE at that time uh, conventions. Um, and I think there were, you know, half a dozen of us maybe there. Um, and looking at how it has grown to thousands of women now has just been so immensely rewarding. Um, and, you know, so many of the people who were there in that first meeting are still active uh, in WISE. But the goal really was uh, to try to, uh, as we've been talking about here, establish a way that women in safety and health uh, could give each other a helping hand. I won't call it an old girls network, but we'll, let's call it an experienced uh, women's network, um, you know, both from, from a networking and job seeking perspective. But also, uh, we recognized uh, that women were very underrepresented in uh, many of the leadership positions within uh, ASSP, um, uh, among the speakers at the various events, um, both the paid speaking uh, events they had and also at their professional development conference every year for the non-paid speakers. And so uh, I I have been for many years now the program uh, uh, the PDC uh, chair for WISE. And part of that, you know, I shifted from doing straight mentoring to helping uh, women put together their proposals in a way that, you know, maybe it would have a little bit more uh, marketing jazz, but also uh, 
having uh, wise uh, eventually adopted, uh, or I shouldn't say adopted, uh, accepted uh, as a common interest group. And it was really, I guess, the first common interest group that ASSP had um, gave us more clout. It gave us some representation, you know, on the different committees and the boards, uh, uh, gave us our own awards. uh, And that in turn started getting more women in safety marching across that stage at the annual meetings uh, to be recognized for their professional achievements. Um, We now have a lot of women uh, who are speaking at the PDCs. And, you know, it sounds like a a simple thing. Okay, you want to speak. But these are the building blocks. When you're doing a resume, a curriculum vitae, um, they want to know, have you had uh, articles published in a peer-reviewed journal? Well, getting women through WISE involved in the technical review and and submitting things to a professional safety journal, that's been one step. Um, To speak at the national level with other groups, um, you know, they want to know, have you spoken at any other conferences? And if you're having to check no, on those, you get passed over for a lot of opportunities professionally as well as, um, you know, moving up through a networking community. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking to my little microcosm here, which is the, uh, the programming and the PDC committee, uh, but that is a building block. And you, you mentioned earlier, Justin, that you interface with a lot of women safety professionals and you learn a lot from them. We have a lot to share. We always have. But there was never really a platform for that before. And the recognition, you know, as a group of women in safety excellence and the ability uh, that we've had to use that as a springboard uh, for getting more women into the leadership positions, uh, also professional development, focusing on women uh, in this and safety in the C-suite. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, training on really how to move from, say, an entry level safety position into one where you're going to be sitting on boards uh, and really having some way to meaningfully impact the direction of a company, you know, on a national or even an international basis. So, you know, those are a few of the goals of WISE, but I know my other colleagues here uh, can fill in additional gaps that I missed. For sure. Yeah. WISE does so much, Um, especially when it comes to like networking, even on the local level. So WISE is a national group. But then you have chapter wise, so you have, you know, wise in your area when it comes to membership and networking and getting to know people. So helping you find other women in safety that may be closer to you, people you can actually meet up with um, and have lunch with that are near you. Um, Mentorship wise does have a formal mentorship program. Um, That's how I met Abby. She was the first person I met in wise. I just kind of, you know, joined online go to assp.org slash wise, join right there. Um, and there's kind of something for everybody in wise. Like it doesn't really matter what you're interested in, kind of get in where you fit in and they have it. And if they don't have it, you can start it and they are all about it and will support you. Um, and that's kind of what's really great about it is kind of this organic network of people who just really are interested in EHS and want to support you and want to find ways to support you. And if you have a question or just something you're interested in, it's a network of people who want to see you be great. And even if they don't know you, they've never met you, they're there for you and they want to see you succeed. And that's what's really great about that community. So assp.org slash wise. 
Yeah, there you go. It can almost be overwhelming. I'll say that about Wise. Um, so engaged and so like in your corner and backing you up and really wanting to to help people and, and get them going in their career that it's um it's awesome, but it can almost be <laughs> overwhelming. Um, so the energy is awesome though. Yeah, I think you all covered it. I this year is my first as assistant administrator and it's ridiculously how well it is it, how well it's run and it just it just goes on its own. Everybody's doing something and it's all fantastic stuff. Um, I wanted to also plug the scholarship and professional education grants um, as options. And then we didn't say this, but WISE is not just for women. It is we happily welcome WISE guys to build allies. And we don't just talk about the challenges of being women in safety. It's, you know, we're, we're EHS professionals, too. We're we're people, too. So we are talking about about it's it's a partnership um, a network. Uh, and, you know, my first experience with WISE was at a WISE retreat years and years ago. Um, and being in a room, especially coming from a place where I was the only safety professional or the only woman safety professional, to be in a room with people of all different ages, different industries, um, and hear what they faced on a day-to-day -day basis was, a, I mean, just immediate comfort and security and confidence builder. So it's wonderful. That's wonderful indeed. Uh, well, this has been great. Uh, Lindsay, Camille, Abby, and Adele, uh, thank you so much again for joining us on EHS on Tap and happy International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Happy International Women's Day. Yes, thank you. Happy International Women's Day. And thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. And remember to keep an eye out for new episodes of EHS on Tap and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor. To stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest in best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap. 